0: The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Good morning. My name is Dave Barton. I'm a member of the Board of Church Governance at White Ridge Baptist Church. And it was my privilege to share the first message of the summer series, Follow Me As I Follow Christ, on Sunday morning. Unfortunately, there were some technical glitches with the audio recording. So I'm re-recording my message for those of you who may have missed it or would like to check it out again. So as I said, the sermon series is Follow Me as I Follow Christ. And this will be a study over the summer of a number of uh, characters that we know well from the Bible who uh, give us an example of what it is to follow God. And of course, we look closely at these characters and none of them are perfect. Even those who closely follow God are shown with all their flaws of how they messed up sometimes, uh, just like we do. So I praise God that he's gracious and forgiving. And uh, because we're not perfect either. And uh, God will not only correct me when I get off track, but he can even use my failures for his greater good. And so I praise God that we serve a perfect Savior. Uh, I like to think of this summer series of uh, imperfect examples of imperfect people following a perfect Savior. And praise God that we do follow a perfect savior. And in the fall, starting in September, we'll get into a sermon series on the book of Matthew where we'll take a closer look at the life of Jesus and see that perfect example up close. So speaking of imperfect, uh, I messed up big time this past Thursday. I was working on this sermon, searching some websites for some good quotes or sermon illustrations when my computer came under attack. And uh, to make uh, a long story mercifully short, I was tricked into giving the hackers access to my computer. So one of the things that I learned, but I should have already known, and probably most of you already know, but for the benefit of those who may still be in doubt, if you get a pop-up window on your computer, with even if it's alarms and whistles and, and has a, a Microsoft uh, sticker on it, if it tells you to click on a link or call a phone number to resolve your problem, don't do it. It's a scam. Microsoft does not give you pop-ups. Legitimate companies will not contact you that way. So even if you're confused or frustrated, which uh, unfortunately I was at the time, take the time to contact someone you trust to help you deal with that situation. Don't make the same mistake I did. So thankfully it appears there were no serious damages uh, to the computer. My computer has been fully checked out. It's cleaned up and, uh, and running fine again. Uh, But one extra word of caution, if you do receive any suspicious emails that appear to be from me or or someone else connected to White Ridge Baptist Church, especially if they ask you to click on a link or call a strange phone number or ask you to do something that sounds out of the ordinary, please don't do it. Uh, Contact the church office, report that, and uh, they'll help you sort it out. Now back to our sermon series. As I said, I have the privilege of opening this summer series with a look at the life of Abraham. Abraham's life is detailed in the book of Genesis from the end of chapter 11 to the beginning of chapter 25. And there are lots of good examples in the life of Abraham of how to follow God, as well as a few bad ones. So uh, Abraham, who was initially given the name of Abram, uh, was Abram's exalted father. God later renamed him Abraham, which means father of many nations. And we see in the book of Genesis that he was the initial patriarch, He was the first person in the Bible referred to as a Hebrew. He's mentioned dozens of times throughout the Old and New Testament as the father of the Jewish nation, the father of many nations, and the father of our faith. And there are so many lessons. Uh, I'm going to focus on one of them, but I thought I'd give you a quick summary of some of the other lessons that we can learn from the life of Abraham. One is to believe and claim the promises of God. God made many promises to Abraham, including that he would show him a land, that would be promised to him and his descendants. Uh, God said, I will make you a great nation. He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing and you will be a father of many nations. And Abraham believed in those promises, even though many of them wouldn't be uh, fulfilled until generations in the future. He also, Abraham showed us how not to put our fears or our own thoughts ahead of God's guidance. So at least twice he publicly proclaimed that his wife was his sister. Of course that got him into very hot water both times and each time God had to bail him out. Abraham modeled for us how to settle disputes when his herdsman and his nephew Lot, um, who had a large herd and they were in Canaan and there were disputes between the herdsmen. Abraham decided that he would let Lot have first choice of the land. He said, Lot, you decide which way you'll go and I'll go the other way and we'll keep our herd separate and that will uh, help settle the dispute. Uh, later, there was a, a dispute with other people in another place over a well, and Abraham negotiated a treaty with the king, King Abimelech, and resolved that. So, some examples of how to resolve disputes. He also showed that he cared for his family uh, when Lot was living in Sodom and Gomorrah and got caught up in a in a war between neighboring cities. Uh, Lot ended up being carried off captive, and Abraham actually gathered a small army and went off and rescued Lot. Abraham was the first example of of how to tithe in our giving. Uh, When he was returning with Lot and he'd taken spoils of war and was returning to where he was living at the time, and he passed by the city of Salem, which is modern-day Jerusalem, and the king looked after him and his little army, and that was King Melchizedek, and Abraham gave him a tenth of all of the war spoils, and that's the first example we have in uh, Scripture of tithing of giving one-tenth of what God has given us. Abraham also showed us how not to take another person's opinion over God's promises. So when Sarah suggested that, oh, it's been more than 10 years since God promised us a son, and we're getting old, and I don't see a son coming, uh, why don't you take my handmaid Hagar and have a son by her, and that will be our son. And of course, that uh, had other consequences, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, how not to ignore God's promises, even for a brief period of time, take someone else's advice will get you in trouble. He give us a great example of how to intercede for others, how to speak to God on behalf of someone else's need. If you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, when the Lord and two angels appeared as three men and Abraham pleaded with them to spare the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and uh, said, you know, they got down to, even if there were 10 righteous people in those cities, would God spare them? And God said he would, and of course there were less than 10 and yet God God still spared Lot and his daughters who listened when God told them to get out of the city because it would be destroyed. So a great example of how we should intercede for the needs of others. Abraham was a great example of patience and long-term faith. Um, He waited 25 years for Isaac and we've already talked, he didn't always wait patiently, he did make some mistakes, but. He did wait and have that promise fulfilled, and also accepting and believing in those generational promises to have that long term faith that God would provide to his descendants. Um, One of the things that we see in that is uh, when Isaac was ready to be married, rather than allow Isaac to marry one of the Canaanite women, Abraham sent one of his servants to find uh, a wife for Isaac from his uh, relatives back in the old country. And Abraham also. Uh, finished his life well, as best we can see in the scripture, lived to the age of 175. After Sarah died, he remarried, had other sons, uh, through which some of the promises were fulfilled of being the father of many nations. And uh, so, yeah, Abraham had that long-term faith that God would fulfill all of his promises. What I've chosen to focus on is Abraham's faith and obedience. And we really see this exemplified in his first and his willingness to leave his homeland when God first called him. And later, uh, when God tested him by directing him to sacrifice his son Isaac, now these were both highlighted in the scripture uh, that Lorraine shared from Hebrews 11. And and for those watching, you probably haven't you wouldn't have heard that. So that's Hebrews 11 verses 8 to 12, and verses 17 to 19. And uh, that's mentioned in both of those where it's talking about Abraham's faith. So uh, Pastor Terry shared last week that faith and obedience naturally go together, and he quoted Romans sixteen twenty-six, in that we really can't have one without the other. Uh, we can't really say we have faith in someone who we don't obey, and we probably don't obey someone who we don't have faith in. Uh, it, James, in his letter, expands on that. James two seventeen tells us that faith without works is dead. So if we aren't acting in obedience to God's commands, can we really say we have faith in him? Uh, Back in Genesis 15, 6, we're told that Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. But we also see from the rest of uh, the account in Genesis that he lived out his faith and he was obedient to God, uh, who he put his faith in. James actually talks about that later in chapter 2, in verses 21 to 23, where he reflects back and says, yes, Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness, but it didn't end there. It continued on and was lived out in his life of obedience. So I think about this in, uh, in in two terms of obedient in our faith, that when we have faith, it should result in obedience, and that we don't really have faith if we're not obedient. Uh, it works the other way, I think, as well, that uh, we should be faithful in our obedience, that being obedient isn't something that we selectively choose to do when we obey this command and ignore that one. If we're going to be obedient in, in true faith to God, we need to be faithful in that obedience, that our actions will consistently reflect our faith. So let's consider these two main events that are outlined in the scripture in Hebrews 11. And I'm gonna focus your attention primarily on chapter 22, which is about the sacrifice of Isaac. And that's where most of the main points will come from. And uh, I will reflect back somewhat to uh, chapter 12. But if you're listening and you'd like to open your Bible to chapter 22, that's where we're primarily going to walk through these lessons um, in accordance with what we see in chapter 22. So in verse 1 of chapter 22, we see that Abraham is listening to God. So after verse 1 says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Uh, it's pretty obvious he's listening to God. Abraham, Abraham first heard the voice of God in chapter 12 when God told him to leave the city of Haran. He didn't have God's written word, as best uh, he might have had Bible stories, uh, as we would call them. Stories passed about, about God passed down um, in the 10 generations since the flood. So 10 generations from Noah to Abraham. And so perhaps he had stories of the flood, stories of creation, we don't know what stories might've been passed down to Abraham, but we do know from the book of Joshua that uh, when Abraham grew up initially in the city of Ur, uh, which in modern day Iraq, that they worshiped other gods. So we don't know how much he knew about God. And yet when God spoke to Abraham, and this was when Abraham was 75 years old and living in the city of Haran, that he heard and recognized the voice of the one true God. Now, we don't expect to audibly hear the voice of God today, at least I don't, um, but we have the complete written word of God. We have the Bible and he speaks to us through his word. He speaks in our quiet moments of prayer and through the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I also wanna share that uh, when I think about learning lessons from God, I think God's taught me more about being a disciple uh, since becoming a parent as as I was parenting my son, who's now turning 22, that he taught me more about being a disciple as I learned to be a parent. And and as I learned to be a parent, I think I learned to be a better disciple because as as you're trying to train up a child and trying to teach them discipline, and you're going through some of those frustrations, it caused me to reflect of how frustrated is God with me that maybe I'm not listening to him, or maybe I'm not obeying, uh, or I'm not going the way that he wants me to. So I'm, I'm gonna use that analogy as we go through to also talk to the children, but I think also this will speak to the parents and all of us as adults is, uh, you know, children, do you listen to your parents? Now, Abraham listened to God. uh, You should be listening to your parents Or, or do you sometimes tune them out? Do you hear them the first time they ask you to do something or do they have to repeat it two or three or 14 times before you obey them? And for us adults, are we listening? For God's still small voice as we read His Word, are we expecting Him to speak to us as we quietly pray? Uh, Are we listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to influence us and to make God's Word come alive to us as we read it, or or to allow us to hear the voice of God as we pray? Of course, we can't be obedient if we're not listening. So that has to be the first lesson about obedience: listen. The second point we see in verse two is that obedience often requires a sacrifice. So in Genesis 22, verse two, God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. If we think back to chapter 12, God told Abraham to leave his homeland behind and go to a new place that he didn't know. And he had to leave some things behind. He had to leave everything he knew behind going to a place he didn't know. So there was some sacrifice there. But the ultimate test was Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son. And the question really was, Abraham, who do you love more, Isaac or God? So too often we focus on the sacrifice and not the benefit of obedience. Because when God asks us to give up something, even something good, he wants to replace it with something better. So children, you probably prefer to uh, have candy or sweets or uh, junk food instead of the health food, healthy food that my mom and dad want you to eat. Or maybe you'd rather play video games than do your homework or watch TV instead of going outside for physical activity and play. When you grow up, hopefully healthy, smart, and strong, then hopefully you'll remember to thank your parents for them helping you to make wise and healthy choices. And for us adults, how often do we give in to our selfish desires and neglect the better things of God? And maybe we're missing God's best for us because we focus on those lesser things. And especially in the light of the ultimate sacrifice of Abraham sacrificing his son, he, he didn't know what that better thing would be or how God would work this out. But he trusted God so much that he was willing to sacrifice God's promised son to him. And he knew that God would work it out. And we'll see more about that in a minute. The next point we see is that we don't always get answers or explanations. Abraham certainly didn't get an explanation from God as to why he should sacrifice the promised son for whom he had waited 25 years. Even back when Abraham left the city of Haran, he didn't know for sure where he was going. When he arrived in Canaan, he wandered from place to place, even ending up in Egypt for a while. And there's often a real element of faith in our obedience, faith that God will provide something better. His desired outcome for us. So there was a, a kid's minute that uh, Sheila put up where she pushed the pencils through the bags and to illustrate Proverbs three, five, and six, that we should trust in the Lord with all our heart and not in our own understanding. And if you saw that video, you might've been thinking, oh, she's gonna poke that uh, pencil into the bag and it's gonna burst. But some of us may be trusted, Sheila, because we know that uh, she would have prepared and knew what she was doing. And well, I don't know how, but that pencil's going to go through, and the bag isn't going to burst. And of course, if you saw the video, you know that it didn't. And sometimes we need to put our trust in something we don't understand. So, kids, children, do you trust your parents? They may not be perfect, of course they're not, uh, but can you see that they're doing their best to look after you, to do their best for you, even if their best explanation is because I said so, do you still obey them? Do you trust them? And adults, we expect our children to trust us and obey us and we're certainly not perfect. So shouldn't we trust the creator and sustainer of the universe who is perfect? So even when we don't see the picture like he does, shouldn't we trust him and obey him? The next point in verse three is swift obedience. So Abraham rose up early in the morning Saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son, Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of God, which had the place which of which God had told him. Abraham prepared first thing the next morning to go where God had told him to sacrifice Isaac. He also responded very quickly to God's direction to leave Haran. So, children, do you obey right away or do you delay? Maybe even avoid doing what you're told. I said before, maybe they have to tell you multiple times. Hopefully, at least sometimes you have obeyed right away and you saw how good that made your mom or dad feel. It probably made you feel pretty good too. I can say that when uh, all of us hear God's instruction and we obey quickly, we also feel good. And we know that God feels good about that Uh, because delayed obedience might still be obedience, but it might bring about the desired result but it will probably add some pain to the process. And I'll ask you to think about Jonah. When God told him to go to Nineveh, he turned and ran in the opposite direction. And we know what happened to him. He ended up in the belly of a fish for three days. Uh, So eventually he did obey and achieved what God had intended, but initially he resisted and it got him into deep trouble. The next point, rely on God. See lots of evidence in Genesis 22 that Abraham was trusting God to make sense of this plan for the sacrifice of Isaac. In verse five, when they arrived at Mount Moriah, he told the young men, "Stay here with the donkey; I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you." He believed Abraham believed that Isaac was coming back with him. In Hebrews 11, we're told that Abraham expected that God would resurrect his son if he sacrificed him as God has commanded. On the way to the sacrifice, Isaac asked his father, where is the lamb? And Abraham replied, the Lord will provide. Abraham trusted God so completely that he believed God would somehow spare his son or somehow resurrect him back to life. When God first spoke to Abraham, he asked Abraham to leave everything he knew and Abraham had to rely on God to direct him where to go and trust that somehow God would fulfill his promises. God enabled Abraham to prosper wherever he went, even when he messed up. Abraham did mess up when he relied on his own thoughts and feelings or on the advice of others over what God had told him. So we're told of two instances where Abraham moved to a new place and told everyone that his wife was his sister. Why did he do that? Because uh, scripture says he was afraid that they would kill him and take his wife Sarah because she was beautiful. Well, it turned out to, to be... Uh, a well-founded fear because in both cases, uh, the king in the area that he moved to actually took Sarah into their harem and then God had to bail Abraham out so, uh, so that Sarah wasn't uh, really taken as wife. It was a temporary thing and God restored Sarah to Abraham. And God even uh, blessed Abraham through that because those kings gave him lots of treasure to get out of their country and, and not get them in trouble with, with the one true God. But it's an example of how uh, Abraham messed up because he was following his own fears and thoughts rather than following God. Another instance is after waiting 11 years for the son that God had promised, Abraham listened to Sarah when she encouraged him to father a child with her Egyptian servant, Hagar. So this resulted in the birth of Ishmael, uh, which caused all sorts of problems within the family. And uh, God made it clear that this was not the son he has promised but God also chose to protect and to bless Hagar and Ishmael. And of course, 14 years after Ishmael was born, then Isaac was born. And that was when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. So we can look back now and see that God fulfilled every promise he had made to Abraham. And even though Abraham didn't see a lot of those promises fulfilled because they came generations later. We've already talked about how children need to rely on and trust their parents. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we need to rely on God, that he is the great provider and will give us what we need to follow his commands. So how can I apply these lessons from the life of Abraham to my life? As I said, I don't audibly hear from God, but I have his complete written word. I can read it every day. I have the Holy Spirit to help me see and understand all that God has provided and commanded in his word. And Jesus has given us some very clear commands uh, matter of fact, he summed up the Old Testament commandments into just two, which you probably know. The first one is Matthew 22:37, 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second one is Matthew 22, 39, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said this sums up all of the Old Testament. Now, there are lots of other commands from Jesus. This is just uh, one of many where Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So are you sensing a theme of love in the commands of Jesus? No, John tells us God is love and Jesus is the embodiment of that love. And so obeying commandments is is obeying and sharing the love of God. We even have commandments uh, in the Old Testament that remind us to be obedient. So a command to obey other commands. Uh, actually, one of the Ten Commandments is for children, and you children probably know that there's a specific commandment for you in Exodus 20:12. It says, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You should note that this command comes with a promise that your life will be blessed if you honor your father and mother in obedience to God. There's actually a similar command with promise for all of us in Deuteronomy 12:8. It says, Be careful to obey all these words that I command you, that it may go well with you and with your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. And this is another generational promise. If we're obedient, that can get passed down to our children. If we as parents obey God, our children see us being obedient to God's word. They're more likely to be obedient to us, to to get to know Jesus through us and pass that on to their children. And so there are generational benefits. And of course, when we mess up, as we've seen with Abraham, there can be generational consequences when we don't follow God's word. The next command to look at, uh, we know, as the Great Commission. It's the last thing that Jesus told his disciples to do, and therefore he's telling us to do. And those verses say, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's take a little closer look at some of the action uh, words that are in there that we're directed to do. The first one is to make disciples. So we're to be disciples of Jesus who help make other disciples of Jesus. If we're truly following Jesus and following his example, we want to share him with other people so that they can get to know him and follow him. And when someone chooses to follow Jesus, that certainly isn't the end of it. Then they need to be taught. And this is a lifelong learning that all of us need to be taught. We need to continuously learn what it is to be a follower of Jesus, to become more like Jesus, uh, to grow in our spiritual maturity, And so we're to teach one another. The next is to observe all that I have commanded you. He's telling us right there to be obedient to his commands. And my favorite at the end, Jesus says, I am with you always. So we don't have to do any of this under our own power and praise God because we couldn't. This is his work. And he calls us to be co-laborers. He gives us what we need to obey him And he will be with us through the whole process and empower us and give us what we need. Last year, I shared with you about uh, the discipleship model the staff and the board were studying. And if you uh, recall, it was to be a 3D disciple. And the first D is to be devoted, devoted to Jesus. The second D is developing. We should be developing in our spiritual maturity and becoming more like Jesus. And the third D is deployed deployed to go out and share the good news with other people. We studied a different book uh, this past year and in that book the definition of disciple was simply Matthew four nineteen: follow me and I will make you fishers of men so follow me is to follow Jesus to be devoted to Jesus and I will make you that's Jesus transforming us to be more like him that's developing in our spiritual maturity And finally, fishers of men is to go out and share the good news with others. uh, Sorry, deployed to share the gospel. And inherent in both of these definitions, which are very similar, of course, because to be a disciple is uh, as God has told us. Um, So inherent in both of these is faith and obedience. So we must not only believe in Jesus to follow him, we must also obey him. So how am I doing? How are you doing? Am I being faithfully obedient? Am I being obedient with my thoughts? With my words? With my actions? With my time? How am I spending my time? With my talents? With the abilities that God is giving me? Am I using them to glorify him or to glorify myself? And how about my finances? God has blessed me financially. Am I using that to honor him? Am I returning a portion to him to be used for his glory, specifically for ministry? Am I using everything in my life to glorify him and to be obedient? So as I close in prayer, let's think about, are we listening? Are we willing to sacrifice maybe even some good things so that God can bless us with some better things? Are we dealing okay with the uncertainty of life that we don't know maybe what's coming next? further down the road, but if God is telling us to do something now, will we take that step of faith, even in the uncertainty of knowing the end result? Will we obey swiftly when God speaks to us, when we have that prompting of the Holy Spirit? Do we act quickly or do we delay or do we ignore it altogether? And are we relying on God? Are we trusting that the Lord will provide that whatever he asks us to do, he will give us the means and the ability To do it so let's close in prayer heavenly father i thank you for the words that you've given us for the example in the life of abraham how you have shown us through his life so many lessons and as we've looked in a bit of detail at being faithfully obedient lord i pray that we would think deeply about the lessons and the points uh, that we've considered here and allow you to transform us to be more like your son Jesus, that we would truly be his disciples and be faithfully obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.